So I couldn't Kia to save my life when I was a kid, right? Not many kids can. No. Let's be honest. But, but I'd go, Moosh! Right? <laughs> so, so this was me out in the driveway in Havelock. Moosh! Right? I can't make this up. <laughs> so, uh, so my youngest, my, my, my earliest memories of my, my nickname was uh, Joe Moosh. <laughs> there you go. That's there it is. I've said it. I've said it. I can't take it back. <laughs> the whole world's going to know it now. Thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers, coming from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan. I find myself in Udama City today, out near Camp Courtney Marine Corps Base. And I am, of course, sitting here next to a Marine, uh, Fulberg Colonel, Marine Corps uh, Colonel Jason Perry. Josh, Sir, how are you? Thank you so Good much. Good to see you. This is great. I appreciate you inviting yeah, me out. I've, I've enjoyed your podcast. And Talking about doing this for a while. We have. And that's right. uh, before we go any further, we have to give a big shout out to the gentleman that's letting us use his dojo yeah. for this. Mike Giesick, he's a good friend of mine. His dojo is right here in Uruma. He's way to you. I, I love about being in Okinawa, he's just too kind. You know? And uh, and Mike's been Mike's been great. He's not only a good friend, but he's an incredible karateka. Um, I uh, you know, he, he's he's a way to you guy. He trains in uh, in Nago with the Weichi family, has been around for a long time. We do weapons together, mm -hmm. and so that's my offering here, and uh, and I get to come and, and use the dojo every once in a while, and, uh, and use his, his makiwara. And occasionally, while we're doing weapons, we'll do a little kote kitai, although uh, I can only handle about 10 minutes with him, and he, he just brutalizes <laughs> me, so. But uh, yeah, great friend, and uh, uh, a wonderful dojo. It great is a wonderful dojo, I yeah. mean, perfect size. Probably uh, it's very Okinawa, 15 or 20 tatami size on yeah, that side. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that translates to to mm -hmm. uh, an American measurement. Uh, 20 by 30 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Not too big. Not, Not too, too big. Small. I think if you had um, 10 students in here, it'd be, it'd be full. Yeah, you'd probably be rotating a little bit. Yep. You know? But yep. that is pretty much the, the typical size that you see for yeah. Okinawa, right? When you came down to Kina Sensei's dojo that time with us, it was even a little bit smaller Full than this, right? right? Yeah, 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 it was. And that's, Filled it pretty quick. That's, uh, <laughs> that's normal pretty much for Okinawa. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're sitting down to do the formal interview after we've done some kata, which I like. Hey, I like, and actually this is uh, probably the first time I've done this in over a year where I got to get together with somebody, sit down, uh, after doing kata, right. uh, you and I have done kata prior uh, mm -hmm. one other time. So I'll give a, a little bit of a hundred times, as a matter of fact, hundred times. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So, <laughs> but we, so, to so, to so we 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 uh, we did the one hundred kata challenge that's one right. year ago. That's right, twenty nineteen um, yeah. down in Naha, yeah. and uh, we had a lot of fun with that. It got dark, so we didn't get mm -hmm. it done. Me and you and Andy Sloan doing yeah, that. Three that. different versions of Mahachi Shodan together. Shodan Ryu, Okinawa Kempo, and uh, Ishin Ryu, Naihanshi right. Shodan, which was fun. Yeah. And then it got dark, so we didn't get it to film right. anymore, but we did the 100 kata. We sure did. Uh, but yeah, I think I may have told you this. I'm not sure. I want to give a little bit of the backstory about uh, meeting you. Um, because I, you know, I, I started in Okinawa Kempo in North Carolina. In North Carolina. Uh, Vic Coppin, Good friend of mine. Yep. Yeah. And when he found out that you were coming here, mm -hmm. uh, coming back to Okinawa for a rotation with the Marine Corps, 
He had he had said you need to find this guy. Yeah. Um, Jason Perry, he's he's a great guy, you know, right. and he speaks extremely highly of your father. Um, so I said, okay, well, I want to do that, but I didn't really, you know, yeah, how do you go about that? How do you go about that? Yeah, sure. So one year ago, I met mm-hmm. Sensei Ron Nix's dojo with uh, Sensei That's Pat right. That's right. Yep, because every yeah. October, Sensei uh-huh. Pat McGill comes to Okinawa. Right. And we always go and visit Sensei Nix. Yeah. And uh, here you come walking up. And I was That's like, right. well, how about that? So one year ago, uh, I think it was it. last month, right? October yeah. uh, is when we had met. And, and Ryan Sensei night, wore us out. He smoked us. I had to, I crawled out of the dojo <laughs> that night. He smoked us. Yeah. Uh, which he's done. <laughs> I've been there three times, and I think he's Thank done you. that pretty much that's every time. Right. That's right. Kind of. I like to think he does it, especially for <laughs> us, but I have a feeling that's just the way he trains. It is the way he trains. Yeah. I watch him online all the time. Uh, he, With his son. His yeah, son, Brandon, right. and some of their, their top students, their senior students there. They're yeah. all top students. Absolutely. And they're going hard all they the are. time. They so. are. That's right. I like to say it's a special treatment, but it's, it's normal. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and then we you came down to Kino Sensei's dojo. I did. Uh, yeah. What was that? The beginning of right when no, no, COVID started. Might have been still the end of 2019. It might have part of the early uh, part of yeah. That's of right. 2020. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. before we even knew about COVID. Um, that's right. We trained down there that, that night. What a cool place. First of all, it's right. I didn't realize it's, it's right beside the Shihangaku. Where Yabu Kensu and yep. all those guys used to talk, yep. where really it all started, and uh, and then wow, what a place! It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. And there he's sitting over in the in the corner, you know, yeah. watching us, and his wife with the, with the little oh, treats. I mean, just, yeah, it really is. It's just so special going down there to yeah. see her and always giving the other treats out at the mm-hmm. end of the class, you know. But and we earned it. We we earned Absolutely. it every time. So, all right. Well, I'd like to do the formal interview. Okay, since we did the formal training. Yep, sounds good. Rather informal training, which is the way I like it. Yes. But yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's okay. hear about your background and your upbringing and what brought you into the martial arts. Yeah, what brought me into the martial arts? I mean, that's such a hard thing to say because I don't have any uh, like recollection of starting karate. I think most people, they probably remember the day they went to the dojo and met their teacher and you know took their first class or whatever. I, I uh I don't, I don't really have any of those memories. You know, karate was just something I grew up with. It just, we just, I don't, I don't it was such a natural part of, of growing up. Um, I, I listened to uh, uh, actually Pat McGilson's uh, interview and a lot of the things that he talked about, you know, as young as he started, I kind of related to that very much, you know, but um, so my teacher is my father. And uh, when I was born, he was actually in Vietnam at the time, but he was already, had already started to study Ishin Yu at the time, uh, having met some, some Ishin Yu people in, in South Carolina, actually, when he first joined the Marine Corps. And he had boxed to, since he was very young, but then, um, but then he was introduced to, to karate, Okinawan karate, when he was in, uh, in the Marine Corps. And then subsequently, on the way to Vietnam, had come here. Actually, his first dojo was right up the road again. Really? Right, right, yeah, it's right up the road here from, from where we are right now. Was he, was his first dojo with uh, correct? So he was stationed at a place called Camp Hague at the time. So, um, and a lot of fellow listeners, unless you've lived in Okinawa or are familiar with the area, you won't know it, but Nobori Kawa, where the JA mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, Champuru no Ichiba. Across the street, right where were the Kentucky Fried Chicken and the McDonald's and down to the Okinawa Kita exit yes. onto the freeway now. That whole area 
on this side of the on the inland side of the uh, on this side of the, the, the highway there, the road. That was all a U.S. base, and that's where my dad was stationed. Oh, okay. It's called Camp Hague. Now it's called like Nawaikawa area. Okay. Um, did Courtney is part of Courtney? What was part of that base at one I time? I think they were two. I, I don't know for sure, but I think they were two separate facilities. Yeah. But there were many more. There were there were more bases. There were more bases then, back then than there yeah. are now. Yeah. And so hard to believe, right? Hard to believe, right? Yeah. And probably between Camp Hague and, and the Agina Dojo, which is right, it, it's right down the road this way at the um, at the uh, uh, agricultural high school. Right there is the area it was in. Andy Sloan could, I'm yeah. sure, give you the ten-digit grid to it. But uh, so, so Dad would walk through the cane, sugar cane fields and you know what is now a completely built-up area, but, and and train. But that was in in and out of Okinawa. It was in, on a, on the way to uh, to Vietnam. So it wasn't consistent. It wasn't. It was it was you know pay your dollar, go to the dojo, train, and uh, and and then you know between between. Uh, you know, visits in and out to, to Vietnam. So, so that's kind of how Dad got his start. And then, and then, you know, I was born. Dad came home from Okinawa, and I just, I, it was just something we always did. It was, you know, throw a punch or here do your do your blocks. And so I really don't have much of a recollection of, of doing karate as a young kid. I, it wasn't in a dojo that I recall um, until I was a little older, and um, and we were stationed in in, uh, in Cherry Point. And, and that's when uh, my dad met, met a gentleman named Bill Hayes. And Hayes Sensei had been stationed at Camp Hansen about that same time. And, um, and so, and Hayes Sensei started a dojo in an abandoned building in Cherry Point. And it was just a bunch of Marines. Uh, kids didn't do karate. I think the first time I saw a kid in a dojo was, you know, probably not until the 80s. And of course, this was like 74 time frame I guess and um, and I was I was very young you know six seven years old I guess those are my first recollections mm -hmm. in, in that in Hayes Sensei's dojo in Cherry Point in this old abandoned building those are my first you know, memories of, of actually going to a dojo uh, putting on a gi training in a class and um, you know it was Mainly me, we'd warm up, and then I'd go over in the corner, and Dad would have me walk up and down the dojo a thousand times, doing you know chudanuke or jodanuke or oizuki or something like that. And uh, and he'd forget me over in the corner, and an hour and a half later, you know, he'd say, "All right, line up, time to go home." <laughs> <laughs> so so that's those are my my good memories. Class, son. Yeah, good class. <laughs> well, well done. But um, all Marines, you know, and and. Uh, and a great group, and it wasn't a dojo necessarily of, of people doing a certain kind of karate. We had a kung fu guy in there, there was a taekwondo guy in there, there was, uh, my dad had done Ishinyu, but he began to, to learn Shoryu, and that kind of began his his transition to Shoryu uh, with Hayes Sensei. And uh, of course, Hayes Sensei had trained here with Eizo Shimabuku Sensei, Tatsuo's brother. And, um, and so, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was my, those are my beginnings, I guess. The, that, that's, I, I just remember over and over kata, and we do kumite in the, in the afternoons and, and the, on, on Thursdays, I guess. And, do you remember what kata you would have been doing at that time? If it oh, was yeah. such an, a mixture? Oh, yeah. Nihonshika. Yeah. 
I was a white girl. No question. Yeah. I was a white girl for nine years, yeah. right? Uh, I, I, I don't. So I never tested for any rank. I, I never had a much of a consciousness of rank, right? So go to the dojo. Literally, it was. I, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Maybe I am exaggerating just because of my in my youth. I, this is how I remembered it. It might not have been as bad as I remember, but you know, literally just going up and down the dojo, stances, walking, blocks, punches, and then Naihanchi Kata. And I remember starting to learn Naihanchi Sanda, right? And dad pulled me over the side. I was like, I knew Naihanchi Shodan now, I knew Naihanchi Sanda now. And dad walks me over the corner and he, he shows me the first move. And you kind of lean out and you put your hand up like this. It's, it's, it's kind of Chidan Yuki posture like this. And, he goes, okay, he fixes my legs a little bit and tells me to lean a little bit further this way and bend my knee and straighten this leg and turn my heel and turn my hips in a little bit more. And, you know. and then he walks away. And I don't know, in my mind, it must have been 45 minutes. Yeah. It was probably, could have been five minutes, I don't know. But he just walked away. He said, that's good. And he left, and I stood there just like that. And he went over and did something. I don't know what, but I stood there. And then he, he started, so he said, okay, hey, good job. That's the first technique. And, uh, and we went and lined up and, you know, did our push-ups or whatever we do. And, uh, and, and that was the class. Yep. So, yeah, Naihanchi, a lot of Naihanchi kata. And then, you know, I was, it was, uh, there actually a Larson gym in Quantico, Virginia. And we lined up one day. Uh, I was probably 10 by that time. I'd been a white belt for, I was probably 11 by that time. I'd been a white belt for, you know, nine or so years, eight years. And Dad brought me up to the front. Uh, a a Wei Yu guy named John Korea, another okay. Marine who was training with my dad at the time, very good friend, uh, remains a good friend, and uh, and he um, he put a green obi on me, and I got back in line and we trained, and that was it. There was no testing, there was nothing like that. We just there was no yellow belt or blue belt or whatever. It was just one day you walked in the dojo, put a green belt on you, and go back to training. So you got promoted. This is uh, you got promoted. Your dad was your main sensei. My still, only still is your, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But you you had essentially your promotion, your obi was given to you from an OHRU sensei. Yeah, my brown obi was given to me by a by a guy named John Pachivas. So my dad would my dad was my only teacher, and I never had a teacher other than my father until I became an adult, and then I've done some other things. But um, but dad always found other people. So John Korea was actually a student of Weichi Kainei senseis. Okay. And he had trained at the Futenma Dojo in Okinawa, had recently returned from Okinawa to Quantico. My dad had a, a dojo at, at the Quantico Larson Gym. It's, 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 I think it's torn down now. It's gone. And, uh, and so when it was time for me to be promoted, instead of him putting the obi on me, dad had Korea Sensei um, come up and put the obi on me and tell me to go back in line. What do you think the reason was for that? Is there a significance to that? Uh, I don't. Your dad showing respect to Korea Sensei was he was one of them yeah. senior? I, no, I mean I think Dad was senior. I mean Dad was senior in probably probably in karate, but definitely in the Marine Corps, um, and, and and they became lifelong friends from there. I don't know if there's some deeper hidden meaning there. Dad was just like no. I don't know. Although, you know, there probably is a little bit of, no, I'm his teacher, but I don't own the product. You know, the, the product is, is, is everybody's input. And maybe he wanted to share that a little bit with, yep. with the people that I had trained with. Because 
you know, growing up, I mean, I trained with Club, I trained with Wookie, I trained with Dad, I trained with Hey Sensei. Everybody had a nickname back then. And, uh, who was yours? Joe Mush. Joe Mush. Joe Mush. So I couldn't key to save my life when I was a kid, right? Not many kids can. No. Let's be honest. But, but I'd go, Mush! <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so this was me out in the driveway in Havelock. Mush! <laughs> right? I can't make this up. <laughs> So, uh, so my young, my 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 earliest memories of my my nickname was uh, Joe Mush. <laughs> there you go. That's there it is. I've said it. I've said it. I can't take it back. The whole world's gonna know it now. <laughs> I hope your dad listens to this. Yeah, well, you will. That's fantastic. Wow. Okay. So at that time, when you, your father was. Had already transitioned from which you do somewhat into Shodan Ryu. to Shodan That's right. into Shodan So your kata and your foundation of Okinawa karate was Shodan Ryu from the beginning. Correct. So about this time, my father eventually got orders back to Okinawa. We didn't go with him. We stayed in Quantico, in Havelock, I think. We were in Havelock, Cherry Point. And Dad came out here. And he was stationed at Fotenma, right down the road. And just outside the gate, uh, Shiroma Jiro Sensei, who was a student of Nakazato Shuguro Sensei, had a, had a dojo. So this was Shodan Ryu Shodan Kan. Shodan Ryu Shodan Kan, that's right. And I think Dad would like to it because he had been training with Hei Sensei, uh, Shimabuku Sensei, who I later trained with. Actually, we'll, be, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. But, but I later had the opportunity to train with Shimabuku Eizo Sensei in his dojo in Ginoza. And I think it, Dad, Dad had, I think Hei Sensei, what Hei Sensei offered to my dad was a little bit more structure than he had had in his karate training mm -hmm. up until that point. And they were very good friends. And, um, and I think Dad would have it would have enjoyed going up there, but it's it's a long way yeah, from Fatima. And I think back there was then, no expressway. There was no expressway. Yeah. That's right. And so you're in your island beater trying to get up to King or Ginoza to go to the dojo, and and Dad learned about Shiroma Sensei, and Shiroma Sensei was also I think appealed to Dad because he was a bit of a fighter. He didn't focus too much on kata as much as uh, some of the other folks and. And so, um, uh, Dad found the Shiroma's dojo right outside of, of Futenma and, and began training there. And that's where Dad really, um, so this was mid-70s, uh, really became more acquainted with Shorin Yu Shorin Kan, Nakazato Sensei's uh, organization. Okay. And, and what, what time, what year? Years with us was this also during the Vietnam? 74, 75. So, so it was Vietnam. the tail end. Dad was actually involved um, in in the evacuation um, of, of Saigon. Not, I don't think he was in country. He was involved in it back here with some of the movement of personnel oh, okay. and uh, things like that. They they, they had a provisional uh, uh, Mad Marine Amphibious Group, something like that, Marine Amphibious Unit. Um, that they formed in order to facilitate the evacuation. Dad was involved in that in, in some way. And, um, and so he was there during that. He was here here in Okinawa during that time. Okay. okay. So for his time in Okinawa then, that would have been 
assuming the time that he got to spend the, the most time probably in an actual dojo. Correct. <clears throat> That's right. Now, when he came back from Okinawa, what what did you see? Can you rec have any recollection of what you saw differently in your father's yeah. at that time or what he may have taught you or how things changed for you? Yeah. That's, that's tough to say. So we moved back to Quantico, and that's kind of where um, Dad really began to teach and, and have students of his own. You know, I think at that point he had, he had studied karate, had done karate for a long time, but even back then, I think even in Okinawa, there wasn't as much structure as there is now. Oh, you're going to tournament here, put this black baby yeah. on. Yeah, we hear this a lot. Right? You hear it a lot, right, from, the, from older guys. And there's much less structure then. And so, and that's the, that's the environment that Dad, I think, came up in. So it was a little bit here, a little bit there. It was training with a number of different people who just liked martial arts. So, you know, mm -hmm. seen, um, had, had a little, dabbled in it a little bit and, and trained together. But then coming back, I think, from Shiroma Sensei, his time in Okinawa, um, he he actually started to teach more formally. Um, and we moved to Quantico, Virginia, where he had a dojo there on base with a bunch of Marines, um, and then ultimately retired in 81, so only you know, five, six years after he got home. He retired from the Marine Corps, and while he did other work uh, out in town in, in Hendersonville, North Carolina, where we live now, uh, he, he actually opened a dojo. Okay. It was like, that was the first time when somebody, I saw somebody like pay money to, to train. It was like, this is really weird. Yeah. They're just going <laughs> to pay money to come at the YMCA. Yeah. They're going to pay monthly dues and do, to do karate, huh? Yeah, you would not say I that had before. never, yeah, it just was so foreign to what, me. How old were you at this time, Brian? I was 11, 10, 11. 10, 10 11, 11. He was 12 when I retired. When your or when he retired, I was 12. When your dad came here, but you all stayed back in the States, correct? did you train under anyone, or was that no. a break time? Was yeah, I think it was just a break time for me. Because I wanted to ask you that, you know, growing up, yeah. with your father as your sensei, uh -huh. was there times in your life where you needed a break, you took a break, you asked dad for a break? I think they were natural breaks, like when dad was deployed, you know, when he was sent overseas, or... Um, at one point, Dad lived in Cherry Point. We lived in High Point. He thought he was going to retire. I didn't train much then, except when he came home on the weekends. And then we would train on the weekends together, just one-on-one. -on -one. And um, uh, so it was, so my experience was, other than a few, these few times, Hey Sensei's Dojo, Quantico, my experience was somewhat unstructured as well. It was just whenever Dad and I would go out in the garage or go out in the front yard and train. Now, did he become much more structured, though, when he started to teach in yes. the dojo? Yes, so of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because now it was people signing up for a regular class, Tuesday and Thursday, or whatever it was. And, you know, Tuesday night's Kata night, Thursday night's Kumite, and, and uh, it, was, it was much more um, regimented. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, learn weapons? I know you have a... a background in weapons mm -hmm. as well. Was that something that your dad started in his, in his Ishinryu days? Or was that under something that maybe Hayes Sensei had incorporated? I'm not... Did Shinogopuro Hayes Sensei teach mm -hmm. Koko? Mm -hmm. okay. He did. Okay. Sure did. So, I believe, and I'd have to confirm this with dad, but, but I think dad's earliest 
Tobledore experience was with mainly with Hei Sensei. Okay. And um, you know, some Sai Kata, some Bokate. I think he was exposed to some uh, weapons here when he lived in in uh, Okinawa with uh, Shioma Sensei. Mm -hmm. But then um, I think as as Dad uh, um, Nakazato Sensei has a, you know his Kobudo system, if you will, his Kobudo curriculum, and so. Um, you know, as as uh, as we went on, and Dad reconnected with Nakazato Sensei directly. Uh, we of course adopted Nakazato Sensei's Kobudo. So you you were then introduced to weapons uh, after your dad had retired from the Marine Corps. Once they introduced to, I mean, I had I had handled Sai, I, I competed with Sai and stuff like oh, that. Oh, even prior to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. Okay. Limited, but yes. Did you have a? Favorite that you you gravitated to at a young age? At a young age, I think yeah, probably Chatanyara. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Which was it was a, it's a version of Chatanyara that that Ezo Sensei taught. It's not the version that starts out with one side and then you pull oh. the other side from there. It's it's actually a, a version of the of the kata same name, but it's a different kata, okay. entirely different kata. But uh, but it's a pretty kata. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah. In my older age, I think I gravitated to the Ekuma. I enjoyed Ekuma. Okay. Yeah. So. Now, when your dad was teaching, he started out at a Y, a YMCA. Is that? So yeah. Once he once he retired from the Marine Corps, we moved to Western North Carolina. I was twelve or so, and Dad started working, um, you know, a regular job. But then, uh, shortly after we got there, we actually started training in a at a community center with a Taekwondo guy. Really, really nice guy. It was great, but it was so different, and yeah, it was just such a different thing. And we, we, we were. I was young. I was not as aware, but I, I did have this perception that maybe we were a little bit disruptive. You know, we were focused on other things, and maybe our fighting style was a little different than theirs. And that's my perception. Disruptive. Yeah, I think. Uh, although, although I gotta say, you know, I don't remember anything but but a welcoming. Um, uh, sensei there, and, and uh, but but I think Dad wanted, you know, by that time Dad was fairly, you know, accomplished in his own right uh, in karate. He he was, um, uh, you know, ready to really start out on his own mm -hmm. and and open a dojo. So he went to the YMCA and and just opened a little dojo. And you know, these mountain beasts, mountain boys, toughest. I mean. They came out of the woodworks and wanted to train with Dad. And, you know, Dad's five six, but he could he could hold his own with the best of them, and uh, and I think they loved it. Yeah. And and it went, and he's he's got students today who are at the YMCA with him. And uh, you know, I've known him since I was twelve years old. They're still his students. So. Interesting. So he kind of uh, kept going with that in in the Henderson area, and still there. And still there in Hendersonville. That's right. Hendersonville. Hendersonville. Okay. Yeah. Not to be confused with Henderson, which is over in in, in Raleigh. Over, yes, over right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, Hendersonville out in the mountains. We have had people come to our camps and said, "Hey, I'm in Henderson, but I ain't finding y'all." So okay, you're in the wrong. By several, yeah, several you're, hours, you're close, and, uh, man. Uh, yeah, it's right. seeing half a day. So, uh, not to jump ahead, though. Sure. Um, you mentioned the camps, but we'll, we'll get to the camps. But okay. because there was your history, then. 
started from birth, essentially. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, you right? You don't remember the time, like you said, of joining the dojo. It yeah. wasn't, I'm going here to join. It was yeah. just, here I am. It's just train. It was just, yeah. It was just go out in the backyard and do some punches and blocks and kicks. And Dad had a little maquillata. Yeah, just stuff like that. When he became, when he started to teach in, in the, um, in the Y or in the community mm -hmm. center, and things did, started to get a little bit more formal, he was in the Shodan Ryu, Shodan Khan system at that time, if you if I can yes. say that, system yes. at that time. Um, so then you also were in that system and mm -hmm. then adapted um, all of their kata. And still to this day... That's all I ever knew. That's, okay. that's right. Yeah, that's all I ever ever really knew. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then uh, take me through your teenage years. Did you do anything besides mar uh, besides Okinawa Karate, martial arts-wise or sports-wise? I mean, I did, I did sports in like junior high school. Um, a little bit track and soccer and stuff like that, but I, I think by the time I was in junior high, by then I was competing a lot in in tournaments around that area. We met, you know, Vic Coffin um, and Larry Isaacs and Larry and, and Don Bohan and um, uh, just a lot of people, a lot of Ishin Yu people, uh, Kenpo folks, um, Shorting Yu. Just, just good people, mostly former Marines, you know, that were just friends of dad's and we, and dad enjoyed competing. It was a lot of fun, but we were competing quite a bit. So, uh, I think by that time, you know, um, I was teaching at the dojo by then we had moved out of the YMCA. Dad started his own, in, on his own renting a place. And so at some point then, yeah, you decided to follow in your father's footsteps, right? I don't know if it was ever a decision. I, I, so kind I don't of like know what starting, else I would have done. Like know? starting in the dojo wasn't a decision. Going in the Marine Corps wasn't a decision. Well, now the Marine Corps, yeah. So, I, so yeah, I guess, you know, the Marine Corps. I, um, so I, I went on a mission first, right? So I went on a mission for my church. I graduated from high school um, and... Uh, Actually, okay, so one story. Can I tell you one yeah, story? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm in high school, and I go... So Dad was kind of his own independent dojo, and he really wasn't plugged into the Shorting Khan Association in Okinawa. So okay. He was running a dojo, teaching Akazato Sensei's karate. Um, but, then, but then, through a number of different you know, events, he, he, he became uh, reacquainted with uh, Nakazato Sensei directly. Right mm -hmm. here, he had trained under Shiroma Sensei, and um, Nakazato Sensei had come to the United States, visited some other dojos he had in other parts of the country, and, and Dad becomes reacquainted. And um, and so I'm at one of these camps, and uh, there was a Sensei named Gibu Sokumichi. Uh, I think Gibu Sensei was from Urasoi, and his son Makoto came with him. And Gibu Sensei was like a senior guy, and my dad's kind of a senior guy. And Makoto, Gibu Sensei's son, is about my age. Probably might be a couple years older than me, and, and then I'm, I'm my dad's oldest son. You know, so, so the the folks running this thing, the senior guys, thought it'd be fun to put, put you know, Makoto and I together in a room uh, in the hotel at this camp. And I couldn't speak a lick of Japanese, right? I could, I could say. Dojo words. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, it was terrible. I can't and, believe that. Yeah, and Makoto Sensei, bless his heart, I mean, he was, 
he was great, and he had your standard Japanese English, Japanese school, public school system English, which uh, which certainly got him further than my Japanese was getting me. But we couldn't say a lick of nothing. To each other. We were completely, it was all hand and arm signals and, you know, weird facial expressions. And, you know, it was kind of that point I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I kind of, I probably ought to learn language. And, and, and it, it, that event created this interest in me. So I graduated from high school and I went to Brigham Young University my freshman year. I'm like, well, I don't want to learn Japanese. So I enrolled in a Japanese class. And then, uh, you know, so Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, and and, uh, and so I turned 19, and, and, and I submit my papers to go on mission. And, uh, and so, and you know, you don't volunteer for where you go. Okay. You just get a letter that says, okay. you, you have been called to serve in the, whatever, South America, Europe, United States, whatever. Well, sure enough, I get the letter that says you're going to Japan. You got me too. So anyway, I came out here, and of course, you know, I mean, I'm living in teeny little towns in the middle of Japan. But this was up in the main part of Japan. Mainland Japan, not, not, not Okinawa. Okinawa. Mainland Japan, full-time missionary, white shirt, tie, riding my bicycle all over that cults of Japan. And um, so then a few years back, and you might remember this, on Kokusai Dori, we did the Guinness Book of World Records yes. group. Yes. Were you there? Yes, I was. You were there. I was there. I was there with Pat Sensei. You were there with Pat yeah. Sensei. Yeah. Well, you and I were on the same street. You remember, it was 4,000 some odd of us. Yeah, yeah, just over 4,000. That's yeah. right. That got counted in the Guinness Book. So that actually yeah, got counted. That's right. 4,200 or more, yeah. That exactly. So I'm standing there on, on Cokeside Doi. This is what, four, five years ago maybe? I can't remember four, what year it was. Four years ago. Four years ago? Yep. Yeah. Four October, right. I think it was. So... So I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm standing beside another sensei named Gibo Giyu Sensei, and I'm, I'm attending this with his dojo. A wonderful, mm -hmm. a wonderful teacher, if you know Gibo Sensei. I have not met him, but... You need, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. He does a lot of the seminars down at the prefecture at the time. And I'm standing there, and I look across the street, and I said, Sensei, who's, who's that guy standing right there? And it was this older gentleman, not older gentleman, about my age, but um, and he had a red and white OB on, and, um, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that guy, somehow I've seen him somewhere before. And Gibo Sensei looks at me and says, that's Gibo Sokuchi's son, Makoto. It was my roommate from when I was in high school in 1985, six time frame. And there we were in whatever, 2015, 16, whatever year that year that was. And I'm like, so I walked up to him. Of course, by now I speak, I speak Japanese. I walked up to him and I said, I said, Sensei, do you remember coming with your father to the United States back in like high school days? He goes, yeah. I said, um, do you remember having a gaijin, a foreign, foreign roommate? He says, yep, yeah, you know, it was Doug Perry's son. And I had my, I had my gi on and, and, you know, my obi's got my name on it. I said, I said, oh, he says, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> he goes, oh, you know, and so here we are standing there. But he was really the whole reason I, I, kind of decided that I wanted to learn Japanese, uh, you know, ended up coming to Japan on a mission um, and, then, and then going into college. And really college is where I think the Marine Corps became an interest yeah, to okay. Yeah. And one thing, I learned this um, because I have friends that are uh, members of the Mormon Church mm -hmm. um, and I have senseis. 
that are members. Kimpo, I didn't realize this until I came here, but right. yeah. Kimpo is... Oh. So when you came over here um, on your mission, you, uh -huh. were, you were not allowed to train. No, right? no. So I didn't know that. Um, but right. uh, Kian Sensei and some other people had told me that, yeah, when they go on missions, uh, they're not allowed to... He, no. I think he told me that he was allowed to practice by himself. Right. Um, but could not attend a, a no. dojo, couldn't... That's right. So it's very interesting. Your every waking hour is accounted for when you're on your mission. And then you come to Japan, which is not Okinawa, but it's pretty no. close. Yes. But you could not train Japanese martial arts. No. You were not allowed to. No, that's right. Um, I, I did my kata on my own, and then uh, every year the mission would get together and we'd do our Christmas taikai or Christmas uh, party or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, I would I would do a demonstration. We'd have a you know, uh, talent. Yeah, sure. very traditional Japanese um, yeah. uh, parties and, and gatherings, I guess you would say, the taikais, right? right. And there's, there's singing, there's dancing, there's, That's there's right. kata. That's right. Took, so you got to do it at least. So I got to do a little bit of that. and um, But no, I was not able to... It's interesting, so I wasn't able to train, but I wouldn't say I wasn't... I wouldn't say I lost anything as far as my martial arts training. Only because, in, in my opinion, um, understanding karate in Okinawa exists within the Okinawa culture. And so we're in a dojo right now, and when you walk outside, you are still in the, in the cultural environment that, that, this, that, that, that is karate, right? And so everything about the Okinawan culture is also reflected in the dojo. And everything you learn in the dojo is reflected once you leave the dojo in Okinawan culture, right? In the United States, I think it's different. Because in the U.S., you come to a dojo, and there you're introduced to things that seem very for foreign. The idea of walking into the dojo, bowing, going and finding every, every, every um, you know, black yudansha, and bowing to them and giving them a proper greeting, you know, konbanwa, konbanwa. The idea of um, uh, the, the respect to teacher-student respect, I think all that is, that's not a dojo thing in Okinawa. That's a society thing in Okinawa. That is, that is Okinawan society. Yeah. In America, when we go to the dojo, it's almost like we're artificially creating this little microcosm of Okinawan culture, but it's in a very foreign culture uh, than that, than what exists in that dojo. Does that make sense? It does. It makes sense to me. I don't know that it makes sense to people that haven't lived here or trained, even in America, trained under an Okinawa sensei or Japanese sensei. It, it's a Correct. hard concept to grasp. It is, because you have to experience you it. You have to experience it. And that's why I say that in two years I spent on my mission, while I was focused on something completely different than karate, um, uh, and in my opinion, more valuable than karate, but... But it, it was not at all a lost period of time for me because I began to, I mean, I lived in a little Lokujo, six tatami room apartment, um, learned the language, understood the, the basic mindset, the basic how the culture kind of works. And, and now that I'm in Okinawa, um, I have, I, I, you know, you can, you can compare and contrast and see and understand a lot more do that. And I don't think without that experience, even though I wasn't in the dojo every day, I do think it, it helped my karate overall. The whole, 
the whole, the sum total of my karate. Not my techniques, but maybe my understanding. So after your time in, in uh, on your mission in Nagoya, right? Nagoya, right, the Nagoya area. Mm -hmm. When you come back to BYU, finish up school there, right. and at some point you made that decision to become a Marine. Yeah, that's right. So I was um, I had a roommate who was in Army ROTC, great guy. He used to wake up at 4.30 every morning, and he'd go in PT. And these Army dudes were out there PTing every morning. And I mean, it was, it, it, you know, these guys were studs. And he talks me into going to go, PT's physical training, right? Yeah, you know this, of course. But, but so, so he, he, this guy talks me into getting up and going and training with this, this team, this ROTC team. There's all these, all these uh, army, these guys were army ROTC, and they were studs. Like they ran, we'd run the army PFT, the P PT mm -hmm. test, mm -hmm. and uh, I was like the slow guy on the team, nine man, nine man team. I was like the sixth fastest guy in the two mile run. I was running a ten twenty two miles, right? I ain't shabby. I'm not like you know, it's not like I'm a, I'm not collegiate track or anything, yeah. but a ten twenty two miles, that ain't bad. I was a slow guy on the yeah. team. I was bringing up rear end Charlie. These guys were hard to keep up with. And, and they were a great group of guys. And I really felt um, a strong, you know, a fairly sense of, of, of belonging and achievement in, 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 this, in this Army program. But then, of course, they came and said, hey, we'll, we'll throw some scholarship money your way. You can be an Army officer. I'm not sure I can be in the army. I love the army's. There's some great soldiers in the yeah, army. Yeah. Great officers in the every army. Branch, every branch, every branch, great people. But you know, and I'm sure this back is influence growing up. Well, Dad led me back in the house. Yeah, well, there was a little. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little bit of that, and and you know, my parents raised us to be independent thinkers and and to be ourselves, and so I could have done that, but I also, in, in my heart of hearts, knew that the Marine Corps was a place for me to be, and ultimately. Uh, I made the decision to um, commission the Marine Corps, or try to commission the Marine Corps. And unfortunately, the Marine Corps you know, selected me to, for, for the privilege of, of leading Marines, and, and that's what I've done for the last 26 years. Fantastic. Yeah. And you've been around the world doing that? Yeah, so I'm an infantry officer and, and uh, have, have had the opportunity to uh, you know, be in infantry units. And, and fortunately, because of my Japanese background um, I, and, and some additional education I've gotten. I've, I've had the opportunity with the Marine Corps to do a lot of stuff with, with Japan on a you know, more strategic and operational level, um, in addition to doing all the other, other stuff that, uh, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and other mm -hmm. places we want to go. I've had the opportunity to work in Tokyo uh, in the, and, and to work in D.C. with, you know, doing J Japan relations and things like that. So I've been very fortunate to uh, to be able to kind of balance both those worlds throughout throughout my career. Do you think that you would have had some some of those same opportunities, specifically with the interactions with the Japanese, had you not gone and, and, and put forth the effort to learn the language and study the language so much? No, because I don't think I'd have applied. I don't think the draw would have been there for me. Um, I think uh, I I um, you know I pursued a program that was a very young program at the time in the Marine Corps. That, um, that creates officers that, that have a bit of a background and expertise in a particular country. Particular country or region yeah. of the world. Region of the world, right. And so I, I um, uh, took the time to, to pursue that. But I'm not sure that I would have done that if I hadn't 
you know, lived, done, done, served my mission in Japan, certainly had the background with, uh, with uh, karate, although karate never really, my first time coming to Okinawa was prior to joining the Marine Corps, but I was in college by then, and my, my course was kind of set, so. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, that's a very good introduction, and uh, I would like to kind of stop it there and tease people, because I think next time I want to get into the Marine Corps, and okay. the training and the sure. connection between that and the mindset, the physical connection, the mental connection, mm -hmm. some things that we've talked about, not sure. what I'm recording and, and tie that in. Uh, but because you've talked about your father a lot, yeah. uh, I, I can't let this go without oh. talking about <laughs> yeah. and, and, and showing people uh, yeah. your father. So just a quick plug here. Uh, I appreciate it. Who's this guy here? Jason, Jason. <laughs> yeah, author. oh right. my gosh. Yeah, so you know, a few years ago, I, I got this crazy idea that, um, uh, yeah, you know, dad's 83 years old. He's no spring chicken. I mean, he still gets around, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to square up with him today, but, uh, or square off with him today. But, um, you know, he's getting up there in years. And, and, you know, frankly, he's had a lot of influence. I think, I think, uh, you know, about ten years ago, I, I started to realize the influence Dad had. I mean, he doesn't talk about it a lot, but if you get out and start talking to people, you know, Dad's name just kind of pops up uh, on, in fairly regularly, and and in corners that I, there's certain communities that I would expect Dad's name to come up, but then his name was coming up in places that I, I kind of didn't expect. And I started thinking, you know, I need to write this stuff down. I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd really regret it if I didn't write these things down and, and record my experiences with, with Dad. Yep. And the book's called An Old Man's Way because I also look at the, all of Dad's students. And I'm probably the only one that's known him since he was in his 30s all the way until he was, you know, all the way into his 80s. I've been a student for 50 years. And... Um, Oh, 47 years, I guess. I don't know, it's not whatever it is. You know, but, um, so, you know, I saw the young man's way. I saw the middle-aged man's way, and now I see the old man's way. And I think we all have to experience our own old young man's way. We all have to experience it. And so, I wanted to record that, because I wanted the, those people that have only been exposed to, to old man Perry, right, Perry Sensei, yeah. the old man, and be able to see that with Perry Sensei, the young man, who um, was human, right? Um, probably did some things in karate that, that are not the reason he does karate now, you know? And and to see that, we talk about Shu Ha Li, we yes. talked about that earlier, yes. you know, but to see that, that maturation process that we all need to go through and... Um, and which means that, you know, all of us need to get in the dojo and bang it out a little bit, and get bloodied up a little bit. We all need to learn that that's not what karate is all about. Um, we all need to do kata until we're about to, you know, pass out and, and understand why karate is the way it is, why kata is karate. Yep. Um, we all then need to learn um, how, how this applies to us in our old age in and I look in Okinawa and in this society out here and you wonder why they live so long. They live so long, I think, because they have a sense of community, because they have a sense of belonging, because they stay active, because they eat well, they have 
you know, there's a, there's a, a sense of belonging there. And, and I think, um, in a lot of people's head, the dojo becomes that yep. family Absolutely becomes does. that. And so I wanted to record that. So it, this took me like six years to write. <laughs> the book, An Old Man's Way, Doug Perry's Unlikely Journey Through Karate War and Life. And we're going to save this one for another episode as well. I read the book a year ago, I guess. Yeah, I think it was it was uh, last year I read it. And um, we're going to talk about it in depth yeah, in another episode. It. Sure. It, it, it pulled me in a lot. Uh, and it's, it's not it's not only about about martial arts. There's some <laughs> there's some funny things in the book. There's some <laughs> there's some eye opening things in the book. Um, but one thing I want to say about your father because you you had recognized that his name would come up in different circles. Right. Uh, and I, I started with Sensei Coffin back in. Mm -hmm. in in North Carolina, right. um, so he's he's in Greensboro area. Yes. I was living out closer to Raleigh, um, but one time I was going on a business trip down to Georgia, and I was going to be outside of Atlanta, yeah. maybe Alpharetta or something like that. I can't remember exactly where I was, mm -hmm. and I was going to be down there for about a week, and I think it was a, a, a Monday through Friday class, so I was going to drive down um, and get in there on Sunday and come back. Saturday or something, so I was like, well, maybe I can find a dojo in the area, right? So I did. I found a, a, another Shodan Ryu dojo. Okay. And I had asked Sensei Coffin about it, and I didn't even get the question all the way out of my mouth. And uh, <laughs> he scolded me the way he does, yeah. you know, very fruitful and, sure. you know, vocabulary. Uh -huh. And But what he said was... Uh, the, the only Shodan Ryu people you need to train with or visit would be Mr. Perry. Because that's, the, you know, basically, and I'm being polite the way I'm saying yeah, it, you sure. know, everybody else is, you know, the way Sensei Coffin yeah. talks, right? But that was it, and, and Mr., you know, that's that's when Sensei Coffin respects someone when he uses the, the Mr., you know, so I was like, okay. And I yeah. and other students uh, in the dojo have spoken very highly of your father. Uh, in the dojo and on the dance floor, but again, we'll, we'll get yeah, into those. Yeah, dancing in there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, those are those are all fun stories, and you know, we'll we'll talk about that too. But those 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 Marines get together. You know, Vic Coffin was a Marine and, and new dad, and I, I mentioned Larry Isaac and Ace Sensei and all those all those folks. You know, there's a there's a brotherhood in arms there that, that you understand, and then of course uh, many of these guys they're they're really pioneers. They yeah. They, they they forged their way into karate. The the karate they they learned they didn't it wasn't as accessible, and so um, I think that 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 love of the art brought them together in in ways that uh, and so they still greatly respect uh, all of them respect each other very they're very much. I, mean, I was a young kid when I met Hayes Coffin uh, uh, Sensei, and you know watching him fight in tournaments and stuff, and you know he's like, "Wow, you stand in all of those." Yeah. Stuff, so, yeah. All right. Stories for another to day. To be continued. Yes. <laughs> Sir, thank, thank you so much. Oh, I really appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. We were like two hours. I feel like it feels a little bit self-centered, self-serving, but, uh, but it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's a story. And yeah. I, I understand. I understand. But, uh, I, you know, I appreciate it. But uh, And we appreciate you. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Summers coming from the Birthplace of Karate, Okinawa, Japan.